Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. In the ups, not a problem trusting God. In the downs, we all struggle. But remember, God's in the background, working out the details of my life. And some of it is going to be difficult. To remember, Paul? God removed this thorn, whatever it was. Three times he asked God. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. Go on with life. Well, that's not fair. Life isn't fair, but God is good. There's so many times in life where you might be tempted to just throw in the towel. Cares and worries pile up. Friends and family get hurt or die. All kinds of stuff. You wonder how you can keep going. Surely there were points in Joseph's life when he might have been tempted to feel the same way. But Pastor Mark will be teaching about what kept Joseph going. You'll learn the kind of mindset that Joseph had and the hope in God that made it possible for him to endure the trials he experienced. And you'll discover that the tools he used to overcome his situations can be yours as well. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 39 as he continues his message, Joseph Battles Temptation. Watch this. Verse 8. But he refused. He had to make a choice. He refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to me. He recognized that was not from God. That was from Satan. Joseph didn't say, well, let me work on it a little bit. No, he immediately resisted. And the temptation, and he refused her offer. Now look at verse 39. He continues, why? He says, no one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And look at this. And sin against God. Joseph saw this for what it was. It was a sin He knew that adultery was wrong. Man was designed to be sexual only after marriage and then between a man and a woman. He knew this was wrong. And it was not only sin, it was wickedness. Now, notice this statement, wickedness. We don't use that word anymore. Do you know that rarely do you hear the word adultery anymore? What do you hear? An affair. Well, who changed the wording? The world system did. See, affair sounds like a party. It's not a party. Adultery? 
is devastating. Here's a sentence you need to write. Joseph knew this. It wasn't just against Potiphar. But first, all sin, first, is a sin against God. Now, look at verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now watch this. Or even be with her. Smart move. He knew that this continued temptation, he would have to make decisions, not just once, but numbers of time. And he's going to say this. Do I want to say yes and enjoy this very tempting opportunity? Or do I say no and resist it, knowing that the outcome will not be worth it? You see, the outcome comes from decisions. You've heard me say this many, many times if you're a part of our campus for a long time. The decisions we make today turn around and make us tomorrow. See, Satan will never tell you or me the outcome of our sin. He never tells us what happens. And when you are smart enough spiritually, you want to be ready beforehand. And you want to think, if I do this, not just sexual, if I cheat at work, if I'm a lazy person at work, if I do this, if I have an affair, if I'm into pornography, what is the outcome of that? If you never think about the outcome, you'll fall to temptation way too much. You have to go, I call it putting fences around it, putting fences around it. Now, Joseph's thinking, if I do this, that's going to be fantastic. I'm sure he was a virgin. And he said, this is going to be great. Nobody will know about it. That's a mistake right there. Be sure our sin will find us out. And then he's thinking himself. Notice he said it over and over again. Potiphar. Potiphar made me who I am. Potiphar's blessed me. He's trusted me with everything. I'll lose all that. He'll not only lose that, but he's thinking, I'll probably be killed. I'll be put in prison for committing adultery with my boss's wife. People never think about the outcome. They never think about the outcome. They just do it. And that's because Satan will never tell you the outcome. Think of a divorce. Think of an adultery, a family, a husband or a wife. Notice, sometimes we have this wrong picture. You say, Pastor Mark, men are the only one that are sexual. Hello, who's asking who in the bed here? It's a woman. They're very sexual. God gave that. It's a natural thing. So it isn't just women or men. It's both. Now think if one of those spouses has an affair. Is there anything that's going to come? I call it a tsunami's coming because I've dealt with it my whole life with people. And eventually what happens is that tsunami has ongoing waves. And it doesn't take long before it affects them, the kids, the job, the neighborhood, selling of the house, second marriage, another affair. Do you understand what I'm saying? But nobody ever thought of that because sin is tempting. Stop and think beforehand. What will this do to my family, my kids, my marriage, my home, my relationship, my witness at work? I think about that as a pastor a lot. Because I see a lot of pastors that fall 
I could do just exactly the same. But we try as much as possible to put fences. Every pastor on our staff will never counsel a woman alone. And you say, what kind of guys do you have here? No, I have guys that need help from God to do smart things. I will never counsel a woman alone. Now, I'll counsel you down here, but I got 25 people around you. There's nothing going to happen. Our pastors are told you will never ride with a, a woman in your car alone unless it's your wife. Never. So if my wife is here, she'll help counsel me. I'll bring my secretary in if I'm counseling a woman. We don't counsel a lot of women. We usually try to have women counsel women and men counsel women. Now, if you come for marriage counseling, no problem, because both of you are there with me. That's not a problem with any of our pastors. But if my secretary and I have a meeting, we have to go somewhere, she'll drive her car, and I'll drive my car. You say, well, you really don't trust your secretary. No, I don't trust me. And I don't mean that in a funky way. See, if I don't give an open door to Satan, there's no open door to take. Do you understand it? Now, those fences are not just for me. (laughs) You're just like me. Do you realize how many people in the business world take a secretary to lunch? And that's it. Pence, remember what he said? They invited him to lunch with a lady, another governor person or, I don't know, White House person or whatever. He said, no, I don't have lunch with anybody but my wife, or if I'm going to have lunch with somebody else, my wife has to be with me. And you know what the media said? What an idiot. Sorry, what a brilliant man. Because he happens to be a born-again Christian. Hello. So you see what's happening. Think about what this would do before you give in to the temptation. Now, watch this. One day, when he went into the house to attend his duties... And none of the household servants was inside. Who arranged that? Was that God? No, that's Satan. You're off today. That's not my normal day off. You're off today. You're off today. You're off today. So here he goes. And she caught him by his cloak and said, this is familiar. Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. You see, Sometimes when that kind of thing's happening, there's nobody there. Everything looks perfect to go and do whatever. We say this to God, that's too tempting. I have to give in to it. I can't resist that. That, That's impossible. This is perfect. There's nobody around. I can do this. Let me show you something. Satan's a liar. Look at this verse. This is a great promise from God to all of us because we've all said it. That's too tempting not to do it. Look at this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Well, there goes my excuse. He will not allow it. When you are tempted, notice it doesn't say if you happen to be tempted. No, we're all tempted every day. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is a promise from God for every Christian. Now look at the statement. Here's what you need to understand. God always provides a way out of temptation. I have to take it. I have to choose to take it. I have to go, I am absolutely resistant to that temptation. I get rid of it 
I'm following God. See, you have to make it. The way's there. You have to get on the road. And I know some of you are saying, well, that's just not going to work for me. No, it is. Because what was the best thing Joseph did in that whole story? Watch this. It's a visual. (laughs) You say, how stupid is that? That was the smartest move of his life. You say, well, that's not really biblical, is it? I don't like to run. Look at this verse, 2 Timothy. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Pastor Mark, I'm 70. You still have youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. See, we have to put moral fences around all kinds of things our smartphones. The movies we see, the books you read, the people we hang with. You have to realize, if you're in a movie, and it was supposed to be PG-13, look good, all of a sudden you see sexuality, you see F-words and all this stuff, just get up and leave. Don't make a scene, just get up and leave. That's the wrong thing. Careful. How many of you open your smartphone, and you're reading some article, and here comes an ad? Whoa, whoa. You're looking at the sports page, and you're trying to figure out who's going to win the game. And here comes the swimsuit edition in front of you. I'm not talking stupid. I'm talking this is Satan. Careful where our eyes go, where our minds go. The battle is in the mind. And Satan is very good at putting things in a wrong place. So let me give you four steps very quickly. How we can defeat Satan and his temptations. James chapter 4. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee for you. Let me give you four. Number one, how am I going to defeat temptation? This way, submit to God. Basically, it means obey God's word. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he used the word of God as a weapon. It was a defense. He said to Satan, no, I'm not going to give in to what you're asking. God's word says no. So my best weapon is the word of God. I have to know what God says. This isn't right. That's wrong. This isn't right. That's wrong. By the way, sometimes you're going to be wondering, uh, is that really true? Ask somebody else. Can I do this? No, that's not the right thing to do. Or sometimes, as we mature as Christians, understand, after I've been a Christian this many years, I'm striving not just to be good. I want the best for me. And that comes from the word of God. I don't want to be compromising. I don't want to be getting close. I just want the best that comes from me because I know I watch too many things happen and it can happen to me. Now, second, defeat temptation. Resist the devil by simply saying one word, no. That's exactly what Joseph did. No, I'm not coming to bed with you. That's it. It's done. It's finished. It's over. No discussion necessary. No. I know some of you say, Pastor Mark, I can't really do that. Well, let me just remind you of something. When you became a Christian, The Holy Spirit came to live in you. He empowers us. And one of the things he empowers us to do is to say no to sin. I can't do that by myself. If you're not a believer here, you can't say no to temptation. Eventually, you'll give in. But with God, I can say no. Look at this verse, Romans 6, 11 and 12. So you, Christians, Christ followers, also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. 
to the power of temptation and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Don't go in. Don't give in. Simply say no and resist those things. Now, understand that. Here's number three. Believe God's promise. Notice what he says. Satan has to leave. When I submit to God, when I submit to God, think about this, and and resist the devil, he has to leave. Now, why does he have to leave? Because greater is he that's in you, God, than he that's tempting you. When God says, leave, and I say it in my spirit with the power of the spirit, Satan has to leave. What did happen to Jesus when he overcame all of those temptations? He said, no, 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 no. He overcame them all. What is the next thing the Bible says? And Satan left. But there's more. Until another opportune time. That's the fourth principle. Continue to say no to temptation and yes to God. Don't ever go, man, I said no, I beat that, I'm done with it. What did the Bible say? Day after day, she came back to find Joseph. Want to go to bed with me? Want to go to bed with me? Want to go to bed with me? No, I have to continue to what? Say no. Because Satan's always looking for what? An opportune time to come back. Now, I can continue to defeat it because I have the power of God in me. Now, look at verse 13. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his coat beside me and ran out of the house. She kept the cloak beside her until the master came home. And then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave that you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed out for help, he left the coat beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife was saying, telling him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. See, she lies and basically says, falsely accuses him of attempted rape. Potiphar seems maybe to believe the story, but he's not really sure. We don't really understand, because realistically, if that's true, he probably would have absolutely just killed Joseph right there. Forget the jail, because he couldn't trust him anymore. So we really don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, here's Joseph, high-ranking, right in the top, over everything. Whoop! He's in jail. Now, when he's in jail... Why is he in jail? Why is he in prison? Because he did the right thing. That doesn't make any sense at all. What is he thinking now? Well, he's probably thinking of this. Well, I hate that woman. I'll never forgive her. And what's with Potiphar? He should have known that's wrong. He could have been tempted to respond in bitterness and unforgiveness. But he doesn't. You'll see later. Here's the big one. 
Joseph could have been tempted to be angry at God. God, life is not fair. How can you do this to me? I did exactly what your word says. I didn't even go near the room. I just absolutely avoided her. And you helped me do the right thing. But look where I'm at. Life is not fair. You're not good. I'm through serving you. You say, oh, Pastor Mike, nobody says that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, they do. Many people, because something comes in their life, an accident, losing a job, cancer, diseases, whatever. All of us at times, everyone I'm looking at, we've all been angry at God a time or two. He knows that. Joseph could have done this, but he doesn't. Remember our title, Trusting God in the Ups and Downs of Life. So this was an intense test of Joseph's faith. He doesn't probably realize it. And sometimes when we're in very difficult circumstances, we don't realize it. Here's a statement you need to write down. Faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. God had a plan for this. He allowed this to happen. He didn't cause it to happen. He allowed it to happen because he knew it's going to get worse for Joseph. He is going to have to trust God in the ups and the downs of life. Ask yourself this morning, in the ups, not a problem trusting God. In the downs, we all struggle. But remember, God's in the background working out the details of my life. And some of it is going to be difficult. to Remember Paul? God removed this thorn, whatever it was. Three times he asked God. God said, no, my grace is sufficient. Go on with life. Well, that's not fair. Life isn't fair, but God is good. So we have to be careful of our emotions. Let me show you a promise for you. No matter where you are, up, down, sideways, here's the truth. At the end of our life, you'll know this truth. Last verse. For I know, God speaking, the plans I have for you, I'm going to make it personal this morning. Mark, put your own name in. I know the plans I have for you, Mark, declares the Lord, the Lord's plans, not Satan's. Plans to prosper you, Mark. Plans not to harm you, Mark. Plans to give you hope, Mark. And plans to give you a future, Mark. That's God's promise. That's his plan. Before I was born, before you were born, that's God's plan for us. Now, unbelievers don't know that, and that plan doesn't fit you. But the minute you accept Christ, that plan goes into effect for you as well. Because it's always been God's will for you to come to Christ. But sometimes even believers, when we're in the down, we can't believe, where's the hope? God is our hope. He holds us, what did we say? In the palm of his hand. He is our hope. Today, Pastor Mark talked about how God is in charge of your life, even when things don't go like you think they should. You found out what happened to Joseph because he resisted someone's enticements. You were shown how Joseph, despite his setback, didn't get mad at God. Joseph's example is a good one to follow, no matter the circumstances. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This finishes off Pastor Mark's message, Joseph Battles Temptation. Next time, he will begin the teaching five words that guarantee success. You'll be shown how God treated Joseph as a result of Joseph's continual trust in God. You'll see how even though Joseph didn't understand the big picture, he trusted that God did. That was enough for him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.